Hello and welcome to the Pearson English Podcast, the show in which my panel and I chat to the most interesting and influential people in the field of ELT. I'm your host, Joanna Wiseman, and joining me on the panel this month are Richard Cliff. Hello. And Sam Wordsworth. Hello. How's everyone doing today? Very good. The sun is shining. So there is loads of energy coming from it. The last sunshine of the year, probably. Is that it? This is our summer, is it? A little bit of it, but still better than nothing. Yes, it's the last gasp, I think. The leaves are turning. And then we can look forward to just hunkering down into the autumn. Oh, on this happy note, let's get on with the show. Richard, what are we talking about this month? Well, this month, we're talking about a fundamental part of the human experience, storytelling. Stories can make you laugh, cry or quake with fear. They can teach us valuable life lessons and transport us to other worlds. They've been around since the beginning of language itself. But can they actually help you learn a language? Well, here to help us answer that is author and educator Jeanne Perret. Jeanne has been in the industry for over 35 years and has written countless titles built around storytelling. So who better to make the case for a good story? Jeanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So, Jeanne, why do you like storytelling so much? Well, I think one of the main points is, especially if we're talking about um, very young learners, um, maybe even from the age of three, but certainly up to the age of eight, uh, listening to stories is already familiar territory for them. It's something that they will have already become used to uh, at home, listening to their parents uh, telling stories. And when our little ones are at school, there are a lot of other things that are potentially quite confusing for children. We think that school is all about learning. For them, it's nearly all about communication with other children. They have a lot to cope with. So the familiarity of stories, of sitting and listening to stories, is something that is very comforting, very comforting for a child. And if a child feels comfortable, then that child will be receptive to learning. Um, our number one priority in any classroom is always the mental and physical safety and health of a child. That's always our number one priority. Everything else is secondary. So if we can make a child feel comfortable and happy, um, then 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 we're already winning and storytelling is one of the ways that we can do that um, another, another thing to, po uh, to point out about being told a story is that it nearly always happens in a school in a group so the teacher is telling the story or they're, li they're listening to the story with a teacher um, and so it's quite a bonding activity for the kids as a group and um, that in itself will be helpful. It's a bonding activity where the kids don't actually have to be active. It's a passive bonding activity. So even if you're a very shy, tentative child, and of course, when we're talking about language learning, the kids have to put themselves out there quite a lot 
in order to be, they have to be able to say something. That's how we deem them successful. But here, they don't. If you're listening to a story, they don't have to say anything. They can just take it in. So I think that that sort of psychological aspect of them sitting in a group and listening quietly in a relaxed manner to a story, I think that's the number one importance. Jean, just to summarize, so that aspect of the psychological aspect is something that really um, interests you about the storytelling, that, that aspect of what storytelling does to, uh, to children and how it helps them. Yes, I think it's a sort of byproduct that in, in the classroom, as, as English language teachers, our primary concern is always them learning something to do with English. So it's maybe this sort of byproduct that we're also making them feel comfortable. And there are lots of other byproducts which I will mention. Um, uh, you know, it's something that maybe we don't realize how important it is. And I think it's equally important as the language acquisition aspect of storytelling. Yeah, basically letting our children have a nice time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very important aspect of any lesson. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. apart from them having a nice time, and you just mentioned the byproducts, yes. what, what are the main benefits in the classroom? Well, I think one of the main benefits is listening and listening comprehension. And I've actually um, divided that into two different things, because I think with um, very young children, with very young learners, they are two different activities. One is them uh, hearing uh, words that they have just recently learned um, and phrases. They're hearing the rhythms of English speech. Um, and they're picking up these new words that they might have just been introduced to in a, in a lesson, in a previous lesson. Um, and then gradually, after they heard this story a few times, they might start to understand the actual story. So first of all, it's hearing, it's hearing the English, uh, which will be um, uh, an empowering feeling for them knowing that they recognize these new words. Um, and then gradually the enlightenment for them of understanding uh, how those words link up and make sense. It's all a process when we're learning a foreign language, isn't it? So, uh, so obviously the listening aspect of it, um, the, the other, another sort of main aspect sort of not necessarily just to do with learning language is how to pay attention. And again, we do need our children to relearn how to pay attention. By the time they've got to school, they've already unlearned some of their innate uh, ability to pay attention. And I would say that actually we adults are slightly to blame for how we uh, get we how they lose the ability to pay attention when because as we know if you look like a toddler two years old um, any of you who have looked after a toddler or our parents uh, will know that it takes ages to get a toddler walking down the road. If you're in a hurry to go to the shops or something, the toddler wants to stop and look at every single stone or every single flower, leaf, doggy, whatever it is. They take hours putting on their shoes. Uh, everything takes forever. They are massively paying attention to every single thing they do. 
And what happens is that that does not tally well with our daily lives. And so basically what happens is that we adults, from the moment they start to be mobile, we say, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, come on, put on your shoes, come on. Yes, it's a lovely stone, it's a lovely stone. Now, come on, let's just get down the road. We're going to miss the bus. It's time for school. You've got to do it quick, quick. We start to make them go quicker. And it's it's natural. Of course we have to do that. Of course we have to do that. We can't, Otherwise we would all still be putting on their shoes. You know, we'd still be there. They'd never get bored with it. So when we're in school, when we're in school, those we, the same adults, say, oh, they don't know how to pay attention. But we've just bashed it out of them in some way. So we, we need them to relearn how to pay attention. So sitting and listening to a story uh, is a good way for that to start happening again. Um, so I have two young children. I can confirm, yeah, it takes a very, very long time <laughs> to get them to do anything. Um, but So for you, the, the, the main benefits are receptive. They're not, it's not a productive um, thing. Well, I think that what happens is that first we look at the receptive uh, uh, aspects of storytelling. And then from there, of course, in the classroom, there will be massives of things that we can actually do once they're doing the story. Um, and I, as I say, it's all sort of a process, really. Um, so, yes, the, uh, we, can, we can absolutely do so many different activities, apart from just sitting and listening to it. We can start off in a very simple way. And one simple way is just for children to just exactly repeat the story after you. Now, this Choral repetition is a very safe way for children to practice their first words and phrases in, in English. It doesn't sound natural. No. Okay. It doesn't matter at this age. These are things that are going to change and they will improve as the children gain in confidence. But to begin with, especially if we're learning, if we're talking about five or six-year-olds, for them to say uh, in a course, you know, so once you start with the story, you know, once upon a time, and they all say, you know, once upon a time, or together, they don't know what that means, it, it doesn't matter, it's a little English phrase, they all say, it gets them saying something in a very safe and very controlled way, okay, nobody has to be made to stand out, so you can start off with just choral repetition, and then, of course, you can start with individual repetition, which might be much more natural. And uh, it's very nice. The children love imitating a teacher who is reading well. Um, I mean, what I always do in the classroom, and I'm sure a lot of teachers do this, is um, you play the audio so that you can hear clearly uh, what, how the story is being read by the uh, experienced actors who have done the audio. Um, but then... After a couple of times, you switch off the audio and you read the story yourself. You tell the story yourself. And actually, that is much more dynamic for the children. And the children would always like to, um, uh, they would always like to copy your voice, especially if you put a lot of expression into it as you're reading it. Um, and then, of course, there are lots of other activities you, you can do after you've done the, uh, the reading and the repetition. Of course, they can act the story out. Um, they can mime the story. You don't have to act the whole story. You can mime parts of it. You can use puppets. You can use dolls. Um, and then, of course, you can do lots of different work based on the pictures in the story. 
So you might take an individual on what can you see in the picture? Uh, you know, what's your favorite picture? What's he wearing? Can you find an apple? Can you see a flower? What color is the bird? That's all this. But I do think it's important that we don't try to do too many things at once. Because I do think that the the sort of psychological aspect of letting a story settle inside you is a very important one. And I don't think we should go on to comprehension and activities too quickly. Children love hearing the same story again and again and again. And what do you mean by let it settle inside you? Is that just familiarity with repetition or is it something else as well? Uh, I think it's I think it is definitely familiarity with the repetition, but I think it can be something else as well, because through stories, we do explore um, different feelings, different emotions, different values. We see people acting or we listen and see through the pictures, people acting and reacting in ways that might be new to us. And this is endlessly interesting for us as adults. And of course, it's even more interesting as children. If you've ever watched um, a child, uh, you know, say you're in a class or, or anywhere, or you're in a class um, and one child suddenly kicks off and has a tantrum. As adults, you might sort of, you know, turn away or you know, give give that person who's having a tantrum some time. The kids are riveted. They're absolutely riveted. Any kind of extreme emotion, the kids will not take their eyes off this other kid having a tantrum or crying or laughing, any kind of extreme behaviour. They are fascinated because, of course, it's a massive learning process for them. So... The same kind of thing on a less immediate level happens in stories. A character might be, you might have a, a you know, an ogre, a giant, you know, fee-fi-fo-fum is an angry giant, you know, in Jack and the Beanstalk, let's say. Uh, it's new behavior. It's new behavior. They've never seen a giant storm into a room and want to eat somebody, basically. That hasn't happened to them, thank God, in their daily lives. Um, so, but it's... It's stuff we need to know about, you know, it's stuff we need to know about in life. So, so yeah, so all that, so it's all the other things. So, yes, it's the language and the repetition and the familiarity that is settling, but it's all the other stuff that is settling. And we don't even realise it's settled inside us, actually. But what happens is that when much, much, much later we encounter one of life's thousands of problems that come and hit us on in life, uh, we find that we have built up inner resources, inner resources that we didn't even know we had. And many of them do come from the arts and from literature. They don't just come from other people. They do come from things like Jack and the Beanstalk and so on. Okay, so Jeanne, you've talked a lot about the benefits for young learners, um, but I actually work yes. on a lot of adult content and taught a lot of adults. So do you think there are any benefits of storytelling for adults? Uh, well, what do you mean <clears throat> when you say storytelling? Do you mean um, them listening to a story? I mean, you tell me, uh, what are the benefits generally of stories with adults? Uh, yes, 
Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that by the time you're talking about older learners, you know, adult learners, then the way that people want to uh, approach a story might be very different. You will have more defined likes and dislikes as a person. So, um, for instance, and it, it depends on you know, sort of how you like to learn. For example, I mean, I personally would much rather struggle through a text, however difficult it was for me to read in another language, um, than to hear it uh, initially. Or, or maybe I'd like to do both. But I, I think people start to have more likes and dislikes. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that, um, uh, you know, you, you go on to these sort of, um, you know, these different language learning apps even, they always have some sort of little story, um, and which, Again, you feel the same sort of delight. I could understand some of that story. How cool am I? You know, it's a story about absolute beginners, about somebody getting on a bicycle and going getting a loaf of bread or something. And you still feel, whoa, I understand all, understood all that context. So, yeah, I do think it definitely has the same language benefits. Um, and then you see, as adults, are we as receptive to the emotions and values as we are as children? It depends how much of the emotions and values and concepts and bits we've done as children <laughs> in the first place. Uh, I think potentially that it could be the same. Yes. Just to say that when I was learning French as an adult, um, one of the things our French teacher said was um, pick up some fairy tales uh, in French and learn your French through that because the stories may be familiar but the vocabulary is new obviously in French to me and, and as a way of learning the grammar too and so I did and I found it actually a very interesting way of at first I would have thought I'm an adult I don't want to read a fairy tale but it was very useful. I, I agree I agree uh, yeah I think it's a mistake to have too much sort of adult content for adult learners that we are happy to yeah, we're happy to learn in, in as many different ways as we can. We don't have to have stuff suited to our age necessarily, do we? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and also, presumably, though, when, when we start teaching adult groups, um, we can broaden our definition of stories, can't we? So we've been talking a lot about fairy tales and sort of traditional fiction narrative driven content. But a new story at that point you could you could look at or you could look at poetry tells a story quite often. Um, so surely we can yeah. broaden out or screenplay, you know, we can broaden out absolutely. what we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the more that we look at stories, we more we, that we realise how much of our life is story based. I mean, look at social media. They're even called stories that we put up. I mean, that's no coincidence that our lives become little stories. So we have the social media stories. Every single advertisement on television is in some way a mini story. Even our little introduction to this podcast is like a little story. Hi, I'm I'm in London. It's lovely weather. It's sunny. We're going into water. There was a, there was a little story around that. You got a, you painted this nice little picture in your introduction. Uh, it's what we are endlessly attracted to. Things um, taking place within a, a slightly confined framework because. Actually, life is one big, massive, chaotic mess that we try to make sense of by dividing our week, uh, our time up into days and months and years. We've made a story of that. 
You know, it's just time. If we start to get into the sort of existential dread aspect of life, then we do need stories even more. Um, so can you give us some practical ideas for, for the classroom? Yes, I can. So um, I, I would say that uh, basically use a book, use a book as well as using the flashcards and uh, the interactive whiteboard and then use the images in the book. I say use a book because we do want to encourage our children to start getting used to the idea of a book as a resource, okay? Um, uh, not just image-based, not just audio-based. So yeah, so then look at the picture. So let's let's just take let's just take a very um, uh, well-known fairy tale here. Let's just take Little Red Riding Hood and see what what kind of things you could do with that. Well, for a start, you could talk about the creatures in the wood. You could mime the creatures in the wood. You could dramatize the landscape of the wood. And one way in which you can do that is by a lovely little activity called the Human Orchestra, um, where you allocate different parts of the class, they're going to be different things. So in a wood, for example, you might hear birds tweeting. In fact, actually, we could actually do it here now. I, I, I'm going to allocate it to you. All right, we're going to make a human orchestra. So Sam, you are going to be the tweeting birds. Okay, tweeting bird. wait okay. for a minute. Yeah. You're yeah, going to be yeah. tweeting birds. You're going to do a little mini practice, but quietly. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joanna, you are going to be um, the wind. The wind, okay? <laughs> it sounds a bit like a ghost. You can be the ghost and the wind. I know, I think right. it will be a little right. ghosty okay. wind. <laughs> a ghosty wind, okay, all right. And Richard, um, I, I'm going to let you choose to be a woodland creature. What would you like to be? A, a fox, a wolf, a wolf? Um, a wolf. A bat, rabbits like a don't make much noise. Be a wolf. Yeah, a Alice. wolf. Well, I mean, a squirrel, what's a squirrel going to do? You know, you're not going to be able to get that. So then what happens is that um, I'll just say a line from a story, all right? At the same time, you three of you at the same time are going to be making your sound effects. So we're creating this atmosphere in the classroom, all right? So are you ready? I'm, I'm the conductor of the, of the orchestra. All right, so um, you're going to go when I start the story, okay? Okay, ready, steady, go. So once upon a time, Little Red Riding Hood was walking through the woods. The birds were singing. It was a windy day. And all of a sudden, she heard a wolf in the distance. Oh, oh how right. Okay, excellent. Excellent, excellent work, excellent work. Well done. So, all right. So you see, I mean, you can imagine. I mean, that was enough fun with us. Uh, but if you're in the classroom, of course, the kids would love it. And in fact, you never get them to stop. So you can just cancel the rest of the lesson. And uh, they just uh, want to keep on making the bird song. But it's good vocabulary practice as well. Um, so there's that kind of thing. Uh, what else can you do? You can mime the story, as I say. Let's say, let's take something like vocabulary learning with the picnic basket. Little Red Riding Hood has a picnic basket. What's in the picnic basket? You can make your own picnic baskets out of card. You can um, uh, put different things into the picnic basket. Uh, ah, uh, basically, if you think laterally about any kind of story and divide up the different elements, there's always masses of room for different simple activities. So with the, uh, with the activities, um, 
low the, the things you mentioned they they of course they they engage people uh, children in the in the classroom and make them speak but um is there also a benefit i noticed it with with my child when i bought him a book and i gave him in the car he enjoyed just um flipping through the book and i saw him really focusing and trying to figure out what the story was about so instead is is it that element of that story sinking in oh god yes i, I mean that's absolutely massively important letting a child alone with the book and letting the child imagine what they're going to hear and and then them personalizing their own books and then what happens the more they get interested in these books and start to feel that they are a part of their lives and um, of course what happens is they then start to write books themselves they write stories and this can be massively encouraged and um, by parents and in the classroom especially is um you know when we have a book you have a, a cover so they're going to draw the cover and of course most importantly the author's name is on the cover so if you treat their writing and you you are the author of this book and you're going to write the author's name on the cover as well they start to write amazing stories and make a little book and then once they've written a book because they do. I mean, often it's just like one long sentence because they haven't even learned how to divide up uh, divide up uh, words into sentences in, sentences into words. Yeah, once they do that, then of course use that book, put that book that they've written in the family bookshelf or on the school bookshelf so you can read it again. Let's read Joanna's book today because she wrote a lovely story and give it the same importance as you do another book. Let's read this book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely important, that. Yeah. And actually, um, again, to draw it back to adult learners and to take your um, story example of Little Red Riding Hood, I mean, quite often in, in adult material, um, stories are used to teach things like narrative tenses, you know, and so yes. you would use past continuous to set the background context for Little Red Riding Hood. She was walking through the forest, that kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, with, with, with more advanced classes, you could draw out some of the themes, you know, the, the themes of the book, not just the plot, but the actual themes behind it, like things like, you know, the importance of obeying your parents and not trusting st strangers and that kind of thing. And, and yes. into a, a fuller discussion about the benefits of using storytelling um, to, uh, as a parable, almost as lessons. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, all those, uh, you know, all those traditional stories are amazing parables, which we can learn so much from. And um, especially if you go away from um, the traditional sort of how we see those characters, we start to look at different images. I think it's quite often interesting, just as you could do with, um, with adults, to Google how, for example, Little Red Riding Hood might be depicted in lots of different countries and lots of different cultures. Very interesting to see because it starts to release different ideas into our heads as well about what this character is. Why is the wolf a wolf? Why does grandmother become a wolf and she becomes one and the same person? Yes. Absolutely. And along that same point, actually, when I was um, teaching adults, um, that was a, a really rich vein to tap into, was talking about traditional stories from people's countries because the whole yes. class is so engaged in it because they are so different yet so similar. You know, each country seems to have a very similar kind of traditional stories about ghosts or monsters, those kind of things. Um, yeah. And everyone's riveted about uh, you know, learning them. Um, and, and obviously yes. everyone really enjoys telling them to the class. Yes. Oh, I mean, that must be an amazing uh, thing to do with an adult class, to share 
your country's fake folk stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a great activity. Yeah. You mentioned folk stories there and, and, you know, fairy tales, that kind of thing. But are there any other types of stories that are good to use in the classroom? Or do you think they are the best? I think, um, uh, you know, especially, well, I'm again, I'm thinking about primary. Maybe look at what the kids are enjoying reading uh, in their own language. So if they're enjoying reading adventure stories or, uh, you know, uh, very, very funny stories, then maybe see if you can find them in English, the kind of books that the kids are enjoying anyway. So, oh yeah, no, no, I don't, it, it definitely doesn't have to be fairy stories. No, I was just sort of talking very generally. It can be any kind of uh, different genres of stories. I mean, obviously in a primary classroom, you're, you're going to want to steer away from like horror stories, I think, just because of the, the sort of cultural differences. You don't want you don't want anyone going home crying, basically, from your from your lesson. Yeah, with adults, I'm guessing you know that would be okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think, as we said earlier, you know, you can um, think about it in a different way as well. You can bring in real news stories. You can bring in a newspaper from that day and, and look at news stories, or you could, um, uh, yeah, yes. look at long form poetry or um, analyze a video. How a video that tells a narrative, um, you know, does that that kind of yes, thing. So I think absolutely. you can think about it in a different way. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now it's time for Q&A, the part of the show where you get to put your questions to our guest. So first up this month is Magda from Warsaw who asks, in this digital age, do you think it's becoming more difficult to engage young learners in stories and storytelling? Um, no, actually, I think that... Uh, well, no, I would say that maybe it's even become easier because they are introduced to, they have the idea of stories from all the different um, uh, channels that they watch. They often entertain themselves with the own, uh, uh, with these little stories that we get on like things like YouTube. Um, they're obviously, they're, especially with the little ones, they're not going to be on social media. But uh, no, and uh, they they will choose and they also, they find it easy to repeat. So no, I wouldn't say that. But I do say that we do have to keep on keeping on with books. So they actually have the paper. Not that there's anything wrong with a digital book. You know, I, I mean, I get, I get all my books now, you know, as e-readers, um, as e-books. But uh, no, I wouldn't say. I, 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 in my experience, I've got, I've now got six grandchildren, and number seven is on the way. So in my experience, it is, it is not. Uh, they are still fascinated by story in whatever form they come. Absolutely, yeah. and actually, you know, I, I play a lot of video games, and video games are these days entirely story based. You know, the entire thing yes. is taking you on a yes. journey, and you're playing that character. So. Um, I think it's a bit of a misnomer to think that they're not interested in storytelling or, or stories. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and it's probably also, um, I think it's something that uh, comes up during our conversation in, in how we understand storytelling. We, I think quite often we teachers, we understand storytelling in a very traditional manner. But as you said, as, you, as you've been saying, storytelling is in different forms and shapes whether it's for primary students or for adults. And we, in a way, need to a little bit shift our way of thinking that a story is not only that folk story, traditional way, but a story is in exactly. different formats and, and shapes. And at some sense, it might be a video game. It might be a yes. cartoon, Paw Patrol. It's still a story. 
so they exactly. can repeat that. So it's uh, it's quite interesting for to change that to shift that way of thinking about story and storytelling. Yes, yes, yeah. They're all around us. They are all around us all the time. Yes. And uh, next, we have Jorge in Ecuador who asked, "What skills does storytelling help develop?" Well, uh, the, uh, in terms of the uh, the language skills, uh, primarily it's listening, of course, and then speaking, and then when they're actually reading, reading, and then of course if they're going to, if they if they can write about the story afterwards. But I think it is more the sort of the life skills of sort of um, thinking about things, of understanding things, of um, uh, this building up of these inner resources, of uh, you know these these seeing these different possibilities. Maybe they help you with making decisions. The sort of critical thinking skills. So uh, really, there's there are no skills that stories don't help you with. Actually, if you think about it, we could just go on forever. And <laughs> um, so. Uh... You mentioned all, all the skills you, you mentioned and, and more. They are the skills that uh, we develop uh, in our students. But uh, in terms of when we look from the perspective of a teacher, what I as a teacher, do I need to have special skills in order to run a storytelling classroom? Some teachers no, might be I... a little bit worried about that aspect. Yeah, no, I think um, it's true for any teacher, uh, for anything that you're, anything you're doing, the only real, you, you need two skills. One is to be simple and clear, and the other is to be kind. Just those two. It doesn't matter anything else, you can do everything else wrong. If you're kind and you're clear, then your children will learn. Those are the two skills you need. Right. Um, and finally, Tuan from Vietnam wants to know how can we engage more serious adult learners in storytelling? Um, I mean, I think he means that, you know, I've had groups that are they're very serious. They're very busy um, yes. business people and they, they have a limited amount of time. They've paid a huge amount of money to be in that course. Um, they want to learn yes. grammar and they want to do very, um, you know, serious things. And so the idea of kind of sitting them down saying, now we're going to tell a story might put some people yeah. off so how, how I mean, do we get them yeah. engaged yeah i don't know you know it's a long time since i've done that but i have experienced that and there is a you can there can be a block i mean i don't know if you've got any experiences of how you would deal with that sam have you has, has that ever happened to you because it is difficult um i mean when i when i was in that situation i was a young woman teacher and these were older you know, more successful men, um, as you say, from other countries. And I did find it difficult to persuade them to do what I thought would write. What do, what do you think, Sam? Well, so, um, again, I would say that it, it just we're looking at it from the wrong point of view. So, um, you know, we're not going to sit down and tell a fairy tale with them. I think that would be a tough sell for a lot of classes. I mean, it would work with some classes, but for a lot of classes, it might be difficult. But actually, the idea of getting to the point where um, you help students tell a personal anecdote, you know, something funny that happened to them or reading, you know, something that, that happened to somebody else. Um, it, it's all over the place. It's in all materials, all course books. Same same as you were saying, you know, that um, yeah. course books for young learners are full of stories. So uh, to a lesser extent, um, you know, adult materials, there are they read stories. They use that to learn grammar and um, vocabulary and they use that to help them tell yes. stories about themselves. So sounds, I think, yes, yeah, I think, yeah. it, I think you just need to think about it in a different way. And again, you know, 
choose things that they're interested in and and maybe yes. that is news stories absolutely. maybe that is um, yes. thing. but yes. it might be fairy tales absolutely yeah so tell tell me how you set up your business for example or something yeah exactly yeah yeah good good points there good points i had i had an adult um a student it was in spain and uh and we were were using i can't remember exactly the story but it was something around uh around halloween and he he said why are we talking about halloween and I said, first of all, it's part of the culture of the language we are learning. So it's it's good to know something about that. And the second, I said, it doesn't matter what business you do. You, you do business very often over dinner or lunch when you talk about everything and nothing. You have that chit chat. And this is yes. when you can start using certain parts of vocabulary or you can say, oh, I read this or I, I heard that. So they are useful even drop in conversation pieces that you do as a business person whatever true, business true. that is so yes, um, yes, i was selling true. it this way to them <laughs> uh, that, well that's a good point that's a good point yeah 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 well sadly that's all we have got time for this month jean thank you so much for coming on the show it's been so much fun talking to you about stories and storytelling where can people find you online well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you all today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You can find me online on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. I'm just Jeanne Perret on both of them. P-E-R-R-E-T-T, the surname. Uh, and I'd be delighted to meet you all. So thank you very much again, everybody, for this lovely chat. Brilliant. And thanks as always to my panelists, Sam and Richard. Thank you very much. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening. For questions, suggestions or any other feedback, please email us at pearsonenglish at pearson.com or visit our Facebook page, Pearson English. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And until next month, this is the Pearson English Podcast.